Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Right, well, this morning we are continuing our series on worship and today we're looking at worshipping in the face of lament. Now you can imagine my joy when I saw my subject and I want to know who signed me up for that. Right, okay, now I've got some things in my bag and I'm I'm going to need some people to help me hold them up. So the first thing, I need somebody, yes, would you like to help me? Are you strong and can you stand here for a long time while I talk? Yes, great. It, I hope it says lament. Does it say lament? Yes. Now, I'm going to get you, if you stand that side, it's all carefully worked out. That's it. Brilliant. Now, I want you to turn to the people around you and ask them or tell them what the word lament means. What do you think the word lament means? Tell the person next to you, and then I will see if anyone will tell me. What do you think lament means? You don't know. Have a look at the pictures. What do you think it means? me what lament means. There's no age bar on this. Anybody want to tell me? No? Nobody wants to tell me. Right, I'm going to pick on someone then. Uh, Dave Green, what does lament mean? I haven't got a roving mic. A cry of pain. Wonderful. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, I googled it. Lament means a passionate expression of grief, sorrow, or disappointment, and it can even involve wailing. Now, I think you children are really good at this, especially if you look at the pictures. If you feel an overriding emotion, you are good at letting people know, and that is a good thing, so hold on to that. Now, here in Psalm 22, we see David lamenting. He is passionately expressing his pain, his despair, his disappointment to God. My God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? Why aren't you listening to my cries of anguish? I cry out by day and by night, and you don't listen. Now, I think it's worth remembering a couple of things. First of all, this is David. This is David who is saying these things to God. So let's remind ourselves a bit about David's credentials. Now, I'm going to need people to hold things up for me here. Who is going to come and hold my knitted sheet? Would you like to hold my knitted sheet? 
This reminds us that David was um, a shepherd boy, and he spent a lot of time um, fighting off nasty animals and making up songs. All right. We also know I need somebody with big hands here. That's right. If you, if you stand there so that we build up a little tableau. Are you, are you, do you like to hold these? Right. Because David also went and fought Goliath, didn't he? He was so full of faith in God's might and victory. And he didn't take any powerful weapons. He took a sling, which I don't have, and five stones. Can you hold five stones? One, two, three. You're right there. Oh, this is a big one. Four, five. Thank you. And that reminds us, oh, you're going to sit down with them. Very wise. <laughs> that reminds us uh, of that part of David's life. And finally, David was a mighty king, wasn't he? He was a mighty king. Where are my notes? Blah, 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 blah. Yes, he was a mighty king, and he was even called a man after God's own heart. Who would like to come and hold the crown? Would you like to? You can watch that knee crackling. Do I I'm going to use that one instead. Okay. Turn that one off, put that one on. Okay. This is going to be wild because I like to use my hands a lot. Right, let's fit it to your head. I'm afraid it... Oh, it's quite small. I just found a shiny one. Shall I let you organise that? Make it, make it fit. There's a lot of blue tack. You might need to take some of the blue tack out. It's a bit old as well. Right. Okay, so what does all this tell us? First of all, it tells us that even being anointed, full of faith, and a man of God after God's own heart, did not prevent David from experiencing pain, suffering, anguish, and feeling far from God in his life. And as followers of Jesus, we too can expect tough times. Jesus tells us that. He says, pick up your cross, or no, take up your cross and follow me. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And later on, Peter says to the followers of Jesus, don't be surprised, brothers, when persecution comes. Now, secondly, oops, turned over too soon. Secondly, <laughs> If this mighty faith warrior, David, can call out in pain and disappointment to God and be utterly honest, we can do the same. We see in verse 14, David doesn't hold back. He says, I am poured out like water. My bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. So when was the last time you or I opened up our hearts honestly to God and poured out what we're feeling, maybe anger, maybe disappointment, frustration, pain. 
God wants to hear the cry of our hearts. You know, we just need to look at the Psalms, lots of them. Look at the book of Job. There's even a book in the Bible, it took me ages to remember this, called Lamentations. The clue is in the name. And Jesus on the cross echoed these very words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Sometimes it is right to sit in a place of pain with God. Sometimes it's about sitting with someone else in their place of suffering. And that is okay. But, <laughs> always a but, we can see in this psalm, are you guys still all right? I'm about halfway through. How does that feel? It's all right. Yeah, okay. Um, we can see how David weaves together lament and worship. So I need somebody to hold up my worship sign. Now, I've got to get this the right way around because I'm afraid I spelt it wrong initially. Are you going to come? Who's that over there? Is it Bo? Yes, come on, Bo. I spelt it incorrectly. I said worship, which kind of fits better with lament, doesn't it? But it's not the correct spelling. So we'll go that way. There we are. Bo, excellent. So I'm going to get you to stand over here, okay, because I've carefully balanced my symmetrical talk here. Thank you. Worship. Right. Where am I? Which slide are we on? Lovely. Thank you. <laughs> so we can see how David, in this psalm, he weaves together lament and worship. And Sometimes he sort of goes from one to the other. He pours his heart out, and then he worships God. And then he pours his heart out, and then he worships God. And we see here that for David, worship is an act of, of will. It's something he chooses to do. Verse 3, yet, 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 you are enthroned as the mighty one. You are the one Israel praises. He has chosen not to look at his circumstances to decide if God is worthy of worship. He is proclaiming the truth that he knows about God and he's strengthening his heart in faith as he does so. I've, been, I've said to Dan, I want to say this. Next slide, please. Thank you. Lovely. Right, the truth. So... Oh, yeah, I need somebody to hold up my Bible. I always think it's my new Bible because I bought it in the millennium. Would you like to? Yeah, come on. Is it Raphael? Yeah, come on, Raphael. Yeah, this is my new Bible I bought in the millennium, which is quite a few years ago now, isn't it? There we are. Thank you. That's why it's so important that we need to know the truth about God. We need to know who he is and what he promises so we can encourage ourselves and each other. And, you know, there are times in our lamenting when we can't sing. I've had times in my life where I know if I come to church, I can cope with that. If I open my mouth and sing, I'll just be a blubbering mess on the floor. I mean, that's okay. There's a time for that. But sometimes we can't sing. But worship songs are full of Bible truths. And we can let those wash over us. David also goes on to use 
worship as a way of remembering how he has trusted God in the past and how God has worked in his life. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. He's looking back about how God has been faithful and building up his faith through that. Next slide, please. Thank you. So, uh, right, I need somebody else to hold up another Bible, but this one, I need to find the particular page. Ah, uh, here we go. Anybody, anybody around there want to hold anything up? No? You do. Yes, lovely. Great. Come on, then. I've chosen this page because it shows lots of characters from the Bible. Thank you. Lovely. And they are. And in the Bible, you can read their stories. Sometimes they do amazing things. Sometimes they do pretty terrible things. But God is with them through it. God works through their lives. And we can get strength from this. And we can also tell our own stories. And that's what that weird word testimony is. We call it giving a testimony when we, we testify to what God has done in our lives. And we had um, five young people last week, of whom one is here. In fact, they might all be here. Let's not go down that road, working out who's here and who isn't here. Anyway, um, where was I? <laughs> I've really thrown myself now. Testimonies, baptisms, thank you both. Yes, they were giving their testimonies for their baptisms. They were sharing what God has done in their life. And we can do that too. We can share our stories and talk about how God has been with us in our lives. Now, I'm, as I get near to finish, not quite finished yet, but as I get near, I'm going to share a little bit of my own testimony with you. Now, many of you will know that in my 20s, I was in a fatal car crash. And tragically, my first husband died as a result of that. And I ended up in hospital for a number of months, having my legs glued back together. Now, obviously, for ages, I was just completely numb, emotionally, spiritually. I couldn't worship. I couldn't pray. I couldn't read my Bible. I could barely think straight, to be honest. In fact, I think the only spiritual input I got at that point was a little book about dogs and dog God reflections, which it, it made sense at the time. But I knew that my family and friends and church were, were praying for me. They were lifting me up. They were doing that for me. And they would kind of spoon feed me, like teaspoon feed me, a little verse from the Bible at a time. And, you know, you know that when people are suffering, sometimes they don't receive those verses very well. <laughs> Maybe not the time. And sometimes they do, and it's just the way it is, isn't it? But those little verses kept me going. But I kept thinking about the story of Job, who lost everything. And Satan was convinced this would make Job give up on God. But he didn't. And I felt all I could do in terms of my relationship with God at that time, all I could do was just hang in there and refuse to give up on God. 
that was all I could do. And that was sort of the extent of my worship. That felt like an act of praise for me. And that, that's okay, I think. I did, of course, also go on to express a lot of lamenting and wailing and uh, crying and weeping and questioning and doubt and counselling and medication and all of those things. Happy to share at length afterwards <laughs> over coffee. That's okay too. But I knew God was somehow in this with me. And the other worship that I was greatly inspired by, somebody else's testimony of worship in the midst of lament, is somebody called, wait for it, Horatio Spafford. Yes, I know. Right, who would like to hold up this fine Victorian gentleman? Look at him. You would, great. Come on, thank you, Miriam. Would you like to hold up Horatio Spafford? Now, he was actually an American Victorian gentleman. Can you have that, American Victorian? Hmm. Anyway, we'll think about that later. Thanks, Miriam. So, now this is quite a sad story. I did wonder whether I ought to put a, pocket, a packet of tissues in each activity bag, but you might already know this. But in 1873, Horatio Spafford's wife and four daughters sailed ahead of him from America to England on a ship, Le Havre, which was tragically hit by another ship and sank. His wife survived, but sent him a telegram saying, saved alone. As Spafford then sailed to join her, he wrote some famous words of a really well-known hymn. And the chorus of this hymn really kept me going. I said it again and again through gritted teeth. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And I used to say that with gritted teeth, it is well, it is well with my soul. That was my level of worship. That's okay. And that's where we find David in verse 49. Guys, we are coming into land. You are doing really well. Hardly any wobbling. Verse 24, David says, He has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him. But he has listened to his cry for help. David speaks out his faith in the midst of his lament. He takes assurance from the truth that God listens. We know God listens. We know God hears us because he's promised it. And we know God keeps his promises. Now, that is why there is a shrinky rainbow in your activity back. Could anyone hold up their shrinky rainbow? That's the Thank you. Yes, it looks a bit like tracing paper. If you color that in and follow the instructions, put it in the oven, put a hole in it first, it will come out shrunk and hard and you can put your key ring on. And it, you can remember the rainbow that God used as a promise for Noah and a promise for us, the promises of God. Now, I've got another little, little testimony here of um, 
of when I went on a women's weekend away, always dangerous. <laughs> and there was a, at the first night, and you're kind of like, yes, I'm going to relax and have a weekend away and sleep and eat and be blessed by God. This is going to be amazing. And there was a prayer activity, and you had to put your hands in a bucket or something, or a nice jar probably, and take out a, a promise of God and then pray it into your soul. I was like, yes, God, I'm ready for a lovely promise. I put my hands in and I got out this. God does not change his mind. That is not what I signed up for. I was like, that's not a very nice promise. I looked at all my friends. They were getting, oh, yes, God loves you. Uh, so I thought, right, okay, I can beat the system. I'm going to get another one out. <laughs> so I got another one out, and it said, God does not lie. <laughs> I'm like, why is everyone else getting nice flowery promises? And I get that. So I thought, right. I am going to beat the system. I'm going to get another one out. I'm going to keep going till I get the promise I want. The next one came out. God does not lie. So after I'd sort of finished recovering from this, I realized that God was telling me he doesn't lie. He doesn't change his mind. All those promises out there, all of the nice fluffy flowery ones that I wanted, they are all true for each one of us. So God has promised to be with us always by his spirit. He has promised that when we walk through deep waters, he is there with us. He has promised that he has summoned us by name. We are his. He has promised that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And I'm not going to go through all the promises of the Bible because we will be here a long time. But we have been promised hope and victory in Jesus Christ. So as I finish... I want to suggest that this week we commit to spending time with God and doing two things. Opening up our hearts and really letting him know what we're thinking and feeling. And alongside that, open our Bibles up. Find a promise of God that speaks to you and hold those two in balance. Hold them together in balance. So, I'm going to say thank you very much to my hearty helpers. Thank you. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. If you would like to just put the um, implements down. Thank you. Lovely. Do you want to give the pictures? And But thank you so much. I hope you're not all too worn out. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lovely.